1: Is Happy the Elephant unhappy living in solitude at the Bronx Zoo? And would she actually be happy living with other elephants at a sanctuary? The Non-Human Rights Project says the answer to both questions is yes and they're trying to get a court to order the zoo to move Happy to an elephant sanctuary. The 47-year-old Happy has lived most of her life at the Bronx Zoo but she's been living alone since 2006. The Non-Human Rights Project filed a habeas corpus petition in upstate New York claiming that Happy, the first elephant to demonstrate self-awareness in a mirror recognition test, should have the same rights as a person and be moved. The Bronx Zoo says that Happy is happy where she is and might suffer from being moved to an unfamiliar facility. Joining me is Stephen Wise, the lead attorney for the Non-Human Rights Project. Stephen, tell us more about Happy.
2: Happy is a 47-year-old female Asian elephant who was kidnapped from her home in Southeast Asia when she was very small and taken to the United States. And uh, Happy has been imprisoned on about one acre of land, which she has to share with other elephants, at the Bronx Zoo for, uh, for 40 years.
1: Now, the Bronx Zoo has issued several statements saying that Happy isn't lonely and that she's better off staying in an environment that she's been used to for 40 years.
2: Well, that's an interesting argument. First, someone imprisons 40 years and then claims because they've imprisoned him for 40 years, they ought to stay there. Uh, I think if you went into some prisons and you made the same argument, some of the prisoners might say, you know, I think, I think I'd think i like to leave. And one other problem is that, um, you know, Happy, since being kidnapped 50 years ago, Happy has no idea. That there are sanctuaries out there. Happy has no idea that there are places where the only other elephant uh, that she's staying with doesn't want to try to attack her. She doesn't have any idea that there are places where she can choose how to live their, li- her life, you know, what elephant she's going to make friends with, what elephant she's not going to make friends with. Uh, and also, the affidavits that the Bronx Zoo filed, none of them were by elephant experts. They were just by suits. Corporate executives who told us how wonderfully Happy was being treated, but none of them were by elephant experts, and I challenged them to do that, because the elephant experts that we brought in who filed affidavits are amongst the, the most experienced and best elephant experts in the world, and they say that Happy needs to get out of the Bronx Zoo, you know, like yesterday.
1: Happy was the first elephant to pass the mirror self-recognition test. Will you explain what that is and what it shows about her?
2: Yes. The mirror self-recognition test was a test that was first derived in the 1970s by Gordon Gallup. He was working with chimpanzees. Now it's used for working with uh, with young human infants and other other species. Uh, Well, at the time, Gallup put chimpanzees under anesthesia. While he did that, he put red dots on their face. In fact, sometimes they call it the red dot test. And then when they came out of anesthesia, he gave them a mirror, and they would look into the mirror, and the question he was asking was, when they saw a face staring up at them with red dots if they did anything would they touch the red dots on the mirror or would they touch the red dots on their face and they would generally touch the red dots on their face and that is generally understood to mean that they understand that they're looking at themselves in other words they're not only conscious but they're self-conscious they understand that they're looking at themselves and Happy uh, was the first elephant to successfully pass the mirror self-recognition test, which is powerful evidence that when Happy looks into a mirror, Happy understands she's looking at herself.
1: Explain the habeas corpus petition and the import.
2: Habeas corpus is a really ancient common law writ, and habeas corpus is Latin for you have the body. And what it means is that someone has been imprisoned illegally. And if anyone else can find out about that, they can then go into court and you know, file a petition for habeas corpus saying, look, I believe that this other person is being in, imprisoned against her will. Would you issue the writ of habeas corpus? And it's served on the on the jailer. And the jailer then is required to come into court and give a legally sufficient reason why he thinks that he's allowed to imprison the prisoner. Uh, beginning in 2013, the Non-Human Rights Project began using it uh, to try to test the legality of being able to imprison a non-human animal. First chimpanzee, now elephants, both in New York, and we're also uh, filing these cases in the state of Connecticut as well. So it's clear that if Happy was a human being, you couldn't just kidnap Happy and keep her in a place for 40 years. So the, the issue is, is Happy a person? because only a person can use a writ of habeas corpus. But a person is very clearly not a synonym for a human being. The reason we know that is uh, for many centuries, not all human beings were seen as persons who could use habeas corpus. And the famous case in 1772 of Somerset was really the first time that a slave was seen as a person who was able to use a writ of habeas corpus. In 1879, there was a Native American named Standing Bear who was taken off of his reservation in Nebraska and taken to Oklahoma. He didn't want to be there, so he came back, and when he came back, he was jailed by the Army, and his lawyers brought a writ of habeas corpus to try to get him out of jail. And the U.S. government claimed that a Native American was not a person and could not uh, use a writ of habeas corpus, and the judge did not agree and said uh, a Native American is a person, and he ordered standing there freed. And so the way you determine whether any entity is a person is not a matter of biology. In fact, there are cases by the high court in New York that specifically says... Being a person is not a matter of biology. You know, it's a matter of public policy. You know, that should that entity count? And in fact, it's that way all over the English-speaking world. So, for example, um, New Zealand has made a river a person, has made a national park a person. The Colombian Supreme Court has said that the Amazon rainforest is a person. What it means is that you're an entity that has the capacity for legal rights. It doesn't necessarily mean you have any. So in, in, in our habeas corpus case, we're saying that happy has the right to bodily liberty that's protected by a writ of habeas corpus. And then in doing that, we put in all sorts of evidence, you know, explaining to the court what an extraordinary, cognitively complex being happy is. That you know, Not only can Happy see herself, not only is she conscious and self-conscious, but we show that she's also an autonomous being, that she can choose how to live her own life. She can choose who her friends are. She can choose where to go. And we bring in some of the world's famous experts saying things like, elephants, when they travel together, actually plan and discuss their plans, and they together make joint decisions as to where they're going to go and many people just don't understand how extraordinarily cognitively complex and autonomous such beings as elephants are to keep them locked to keep happy locked for 40 years in a uh, a place that's about as big as many suburbanites backyard just undermines and ignores and disrespects everything that an elephant is
1: what stage of the litigation are you at
2: We made it past the first step. The judge about three weeks ago issued the order to show cause, and she ordered the Bronx Sioux to come into court last Friday when we were in court as well in Orleans Supreme Court near the Canadian border. The other side, the Bronx Sioux, said that they didn't want to be in Orleans Supreme Court. They wanted this case to be tried in the Bronx, and we did not want to do that. And the court uh, then said she was going to transfer the case to the Bronx. That has not yet been done and uh, we're waiting to see exactly what, what the order says, and uh, it's likely we will seek to appeal it. There's a reason why the Bronx Zoo wants to try the case in the Bronx, and we want to try the case up near the Canadian border, in that the appellate court that oversees the courts in the Bronx has already said in one of our cases that that only humans can have rights. On the other hand, the appellate court in this part of New York that's near the Canadian border has said that it's a common place that animals can be persons who have rights. So obviously, we don't want to try our case in a place where the appellate court has said that that we can't win. We want to try the case in a place where uh, the court will say, well, uh, you know, what kind of rights you're looking for? And uh, they aren't going to say that just because Happy's not a human, she doesn't have any rights.
1: Your fight for animal rights seems like it's always an
2: uphill battle.
1: Do you see a turning point coming?
2: The turning point has already come. In May uh, May of 2018, about seven months ago, the first judge of a high court in the United States issued an opinion as to the merits of the arguments we were making. And that judge uh, agreed that was a chimpanzee case, that a chimpanzee was likely not a person and was certainly, he said, not a thing. And he specifically criticized the court that had uh, said that only a human can have rights by saying that he didn't agree, that, it, that basically it's it's a bias. It's bigotry, you know, and when we try to remind the courts that we've been there before, that at one time only white people could have rights, and the only reason black people couldn't is because there was bias against them. There was a bias against women. There was a bias against Native Americans like Standing Bear. And we try to encourage the courts to understand how our arguments are placed within the context of history where There are biases against those who are not seen as being worthy of of, of having rights. And one by one over the years, they're knocked down. And that we're just simply moving on to non-human animals now, such as elephants and chimpanzees and probably others. So we did have the only high court judge in the United States who has given an opinion as to the merits of our case, thought they were good. Uh, Then a month after that, in the appellate court that oversees where we were filing suit, that court did say that it is a commonplace That corporations and animals can be persons, which means that they have the capacity to write. Right. So in the last year, we've had two of these cases come down just in the, in the state of New York. And so the turning point, you know, is already happening. We had received our first writ of habeas corpus in 2015 on behalf of a chimpanzee. Now we received our second writ of habeas corpus 2018 on, on behalf of an elephant. So things are turning here and not, not just here. Uh, A chimpanzee uh, named Cecilia in 2017 had a writ of habeas corpus issued against the zoo that was holding her. Cecilia was moved to a sanctuary in in, in Brazil. It's actually already begun, and now we just have to continue our fight. It's that way in every civil rights movement. The Non-Human Rights Project, how we characterize ourselves, we don't call ourselves an animal rights organization. We call ourselves a civil rights organization that focuses on on the legal rights of non-human animals.
1: That's Stephen Wise of the Non-Human Rights Project. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.
0: The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th,